I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burr, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. I have with me the most successful Olympian of all time, a man who won an incredible 23 gold medals, Michael Phelps. Welcome to the Hindustan Times Leadership Summit 2019. This year, you had two of your records broken. One record that you held for 18 long years, 200-meter yeah. butterfly. How does it feel to watch your records being broken? I mean, obviously, it's it's difficult. My 200 fly, especially, that was it's like my baby. You know, like it was in my name and our family for so long. So um, it was it was tough to watch. But when when I really break it down, it's actually awesome because there's it, it shows me that there are kids out there that are dreaming as big as they can possibly dream and they're not giving up. You know, I think that's something that's so spe so special to be able to see and watch. You know, cuz I think a lot of people have said like that record would stay forever, yada yada yada, but all records are made to be broken. Um, so being able to watch him, you know, I mean, his stroke was unbelievable. Uh, his walls were great. Um, he deserves to break the record. But 23 gold medals in an Olympics, that's going to stay for a long time, probably. <laughs> probably. How did it feel for you when you broke Mark Spitz's record in 2008 and you won eight gold medals? Uh, I mean, for me, it was, it was the journey that I was on is I wanted to become the first Michael Phelps. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do something that nobody else had ever done. Mm -hmm. and, and for me, being able to do that, um, it was a lot of trial and error. You know, we had to figure out the perfect way to get it done. And, and being able to do that, you know, for me, was all I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be the first to ever do something. You know, my journey was never to be the second Mark Spitz. I wanted to be the first Michael Phelps. And, and um, you know, throughout my career, I feel like, you know, looking back at it, that I, I did everything that I wanted to in the pool. Um, and that's why, you know, I'm happy to be retired now. Uh, and I'm happy to be retired when I did. I, I don't have to race against these guys anymore. <laughs> Some of these guys are swimming really fast. So it's, it's, yeah. uh, it's fun to watch now and not compete. Right. If fun to watch, are you going to watch them at the 2020 Olympics? I'll be there, yeah. And who are you most excited by? I'm just excited to see what they do, what, what the team does. You know, kind of where, who the captain is, who the leaders are. Um, really just, I'm more interested to look at the team environment than I am with the swimming. Because like that's something that's so big, especially for us. Like we've gone in, into every competition as a tight-knit family, right. um, and that's why we've been able to be so successful. You said that the, the swimming team was like a family, it was very closely knit. Um, you were less than 16 years old when you headed to your first Olympics. Um, what was that like? Can you take us back and talk about that? Um, I mean, I was a deer in headlights at, at you know, in, in, in Sydney. I had, you know, no idea really what to expect. Um, it was my first time out of the country, my first um, national team trip. Uh, obviously my first Olympics and, and I, I was going with an expectation to medal and, right. and um, when I was fifth, you know, I looked back and you know, my suit wasn't tied. 
I, I didn't have my credential when I came over to the pool for my final swims. There are a lot of things that were kind of off. I, I should have taken better control of the situation. And, and so for me, the 2000 Olympics was just, it was a learning experience more than anything else. Right. You know, being able to, to see what it feels like to be in an Olympic final. I think that really just helped push me through the next four years right. um, to have a pretty good Olympics. And then, yeah, it took off after that. Is there a medal or, or a record that is more special to you than, than the others? Does it work that way? Uh, I mean, it's hard to say one. Yeah. Um, my first one was you know, the most special one, yeah. you know, in 2004, winning the, the, the 400 IM. Yeah. Um, the 100 fly, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> winning by a hundredth of a second, right. you know, right place at the right time. But uh, I mean, I think the 2016, the 200 IM, you know, being able to four peat, win four back to back to back Olympics, right. uh, or back to back to back to back yeah. Olympics in that race. Um, and being able to just finish how I wanted to, that was the best for me. You've spoken about how you wanted to be the first Michael Phelps, right? But how does that thought even come to your head in the first place? I mean, if I start doing something, I don't, I don't really think that I'm going to be the best in the world and I'm going to do something that's never been done before. But how does that mentality... Well, I guess it's just like, you know, because everybody is different, right? right? So there's, there's no two people that are exactly the same. Yeah. So I can't try to be somebody else. Right. I have to be me. Yeah. So I'm trying to be the best me that I can be. Yeah. So it's whatever that is, and and we just go with it. So yeah. it's like I was trying to be the best Michael Phelps, and and I pushed myself in training and competitions to have the opportunities that I had. And at some point, it just became apparent that the best Michael Phelps would be the greatest swimmer of all time. I guess. Yeah. I guess <laughs> that's how it worked. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, I think it, you know the 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 biggest thing was is you know when I was speaking earlier, I was saying I, I was chasing times, Yeah. you know, and that was that was the thing that, that kept me motivated. Right. You know, I, if it was a gold medal, then I, I wouldn't have had the longevity that I had in my career. Right. But I was chasing times that I knew I was the only one in the world that could do those times. Mm. So I knew if I could get to those times, the results would take care of themselves. Right. So I was just trying to work on the small details and practice every single day right. that are going to give me that that opportunity. Right. And obviously, it takes a certain kind of men mental intensity, a kind, certain kind of drive to do what you did for so long, so many years to be at the top of your game. Um, can you give us a peek of what that feels like in your head in terms of just that? Uh, I mean, the, the biggest thing was just goals. I, like, I, I can't say that enough. That was something that Bob taught me at a very young age to, to set short term and long term. Mm -hmm. um, and and you know, kind of once I accomplish one goal, you move to the next. Mm. So it was, it was just that process that I was always doing. Um, and, and there were things that were always keeping me hungry. So it was easy for me to jump from one thing to the next just because I was so dedicated and engaged in what I was doing that it was the only thing that could happen. Things like what? In, what, in terms we, of what? Kept you hungry. Uh, I mean, if I did a best time, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you see the hard work that pays off. Yeah. So for me, my coach and I, like I came up with a dream, he came up with a plan, and we went for it. And that's, you know, that, that's in a nutshell what, yeah. what my career was like. You know, nice. I, I was always somebody who was um, challenging myself mentally to mm. push myself to different levels mm. or limits mm. um, just to see how far I could truly go. Right. And then you stop swimming. And the, those long years spent in that regimented, goal-oriented, driven, intense manner, that 
do you have to let it go a little bit? How, how do you work with that? I mean, you kind of can't because it's just part of who you are, right? right? You know, so for me now, I, I still have goals that I want to accomplish. And yeah, mm -hmm. they're, they are outside of the pool, but I'm still going to go through them the same exact way that I did when I was in the pool, right? Because mm -hmm. it, it worked and I know how to do it. So it's, you know, it's, it's, but it's, I'll say it's, it's different because it's in a way it's like I, I'm in a new world, right? right? Like I'm, I'm on land. So, mm -hmm. um, this will all be a part of my journey to the next goal that I have. Right. So. You're also a rare athlete who actually came out in the open and spoke about the difficulties you had with your depression and, and now you're a mental health advocate. Um, what is, what's the work you're doing with that right now? Um, I mean, I think it's just really continuing to, to spread the message that it's okay to not be okay. Mm. You know, like, yeah, I had these things throughout my whole entire career, but I was still able to do what I did. You know, so I think you know, just being able to, to express the importance of opening, uh, open, opening up, you know, talking about the struggles you're going through, because it's okay not to be okay. Right. You know, we're human beings. We can't expect to be perfect in everything that we do. So, you know, I think if we're able to show a vulnerable side, we're able to then grow from that and learn from that. So right. being able just to spread that message and, and, and honestly, to save a life for me is better than ever winning an Olympic gold medal. So. Um, this is this is a, a very enjoyable ride. Yeah. Um, it's challenging because I'm continually learning about myself as well. Um, and and the hard times that I go through, they're going to happen for the rest of my life. I mean, and these are important things to talk about because most people don't want to even say, "Okay, I get depressed." Uh, I mean, it's in India, like it's, it's, it's a hard thing. But it's almost like a to, way to like yeah. I. I the reason why I had so much trouble opening up about it was because I didn't want to show weakness. Right. And I think as a male, especially in the sports world, if you open up about something like that, it's looked upon as a weakness. But in reality, it's not. You know, that, that's the point where we are. And, and I think people are finally starting to realize that it's a real thing. Mm. And it's something that we need to, we need to, we need to talk about. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. And, and you know, it's, it's, it can be scary at times, but it's life. Life can be scary too. It's wonderful talking to you. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.